This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. It's your weekly blitz with Chris, keeping you in the game. Hey, good morning, everyone. Coach Chris Cotton from AutoFix Auto Shop Coaching here. I'm your auto repair shop coach. My goal is to help you, the independent auto repair shop owner, make your dreams come true. We do that by opening your mind to things you didn't know you didn't know and by getting you out from under your business and putting you in charge of your future as well as your family's future. My goal is for you to stop having a hobby and start having a business that you can be proud of and can take time away from. First and foremost, I want to thank AutoLeap. Without their continued support, this podcast would not be available free to you. If you're in the market for a great shop management system, please see the show notes for a demo link. As we get into today's episode, you may know someone in your network who could benefit from the topic. If so, please take time to share personally or through your social network. As always, if you have an idea for a show topic or want to talk, feel free to get with me, Chris at autofixsos.com. Today, I want to welcome Hunt Demers with Parmelis and thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Pretty good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. The original thought starter was during a podcast I recorded last week, Coach Brent and I were talking to a shop owner and he mentioned that he had two shops. He wasn't interested in any more. He had plenty of money. He's got the margins corrected and he was ready to do something else with his money. And he goes, Chris, you should do a podcast about that. So I'm like, who can I get to help me with this? I'm like, Hunt would be a perfect person. And here we are. I am ready to get going. What are some initial thoughts you have on this? And I know you're reluctant and you're like, hey. And so, two, I'm going to put this disclaimer like, this is just advice from two old boys. You know, you can take it with a grain of salt. You can listen to it. And there we go. Because I know you're like, hey, I don't know if they should they should do anything I say or not. Or, or I don't remember how you phrased it. But anyway. Yeah, we got to put the disclaimer of, you know, hey. Proceed with your own caution, right? When I tell you to take all of your profits and invest in crypto, you know, don't yell at me if you lose all of it. But I think it's a really valuable thing. And it's something that, you know, we see a lot with our shop owners, you know, where they get to a stage in their life where they're like, hey, I actually have a surplus, right? Because I feel like that depending on where you are in your business, you're either kind of a a net cash burner or a net cash gainer here. You know, and if you think about it from the simplest terms of, you know, the average repair shop owner, you know, working his way up, maybe working in the shop, maybe working for someone else, buying their own shop. Now, everyone does that because they're sick of making other people money, don't want to deal with the politics of it. And then they have that wake up call of, wait, all of that $143 an hour labor rate that boss was charging before doesn't actually all go in his pocket, you know, less what he was paying me as a technician. So people then are mastering their business. And then you get to a certain point where I'm not sure if you really ever master it, but get to a point where it's running, it's profitable, and you know you can probably step back from that. And then once you get to that point, you're instead of saying, hey, I need to figure out how to make this profitable, how to support my lifestyle, a lot of people, you know, rightfully so, and hopefully get to a point where they're like, you know what, I can make more money, but I don't want to keep on increasing my lifestyle. Right. I see so many shops that spend all their money at 200,000. They're now making 600,000. They spend all their money and they're now making a million. They spend all their money. And by spend their money, I don't mean investing. Right. They just kind of get stuck in that rat race on it. Well, they've got a boat and snow machines and jet skis and all the cars and an extra F-350. And now they're like, Hey, Hunt, how do we, how does the business pay for all this or show that? Right. 
Yeah, which is fine, right? I mean, that's, you know, a form of investing, right? You're investing not for return on investment and money, return on investment and, you know, satisfaction. And hey, you know, I hear you, can't take it with you. You got to enjoy this. You know, you see too many people that don't spend a single cent till they retire and then, you know, fall over dead the next day. And it's like, well, I sacrificed this for what? Now, there's probably some sort of happy medium between the two, but you know, I think at the end of the day, it's it's all making sure that your goals line up to what you're trying, right? I see too many people that are looking at someone down the street, someone they see on Facebook, someone that they know on the other side of the country and following their business decisions based on what someone else is doing. I was completely shocked when this owner said this. It's this frenzy of shop owners all across the country where they want to buy a second, third, fourth, eighth location. And you've got all this money and people gobbling people up. So I was like, number one, kudos to you for not wanting to feed into that. If that's not where your heart is, right? But what do you do with that? Or, or where do you go with that money? Yeah. And a big thing on it is what do you want out of it, right? You know, because there's investments that will hopefully build your wealth and kind of appreciate over time. And then there's also going to be investments that throw off cash flow to you, right? And really specifically, I'm going to tie a lot of this around time right? Because time is something that cannot be ignored in investments. Because if you look at something that is just strictly ROI, you know, it's going to give you one sort of decision. Hey, if I look at the ROI on this opportunity, this opportunity can give me 33% return on investment. And then you're going to say, whoa, I want that investment. Now, if I tell you that's an auto repair shop, you're immediately going to be like, all right, well, you didn't specify that this could consume the better part of my life, at least when I'm first starting out on this, right? Where Whether a lot of people know it or not, the reason why an auto repair shop is so profitable is because if done correctly, it can be a very, very lucrative thing. But it is not easy, right? It's the whole reason why, you know, there's coaching. There's some reason why, you know, we specialize in auto repair shops. Because it's not rocket science, but it's definitely not as easy as setting money in a savings account and getting 33% return on investment. But also, it's something that takes a lot of time. I don't think that there is very many shop owners out there that are listening to this or not listening to this that could argue that owning a repair shop is a passive investment, right? Even the ones, even my clients that I have that are complete absentee owners, there's still a mental load, right? It still comes back on them. There's still stuff that they have to be doing for the most part. You know, whereas, you know, a lot of people, once they get to a later stage in their shop that are maybe to that point where the repair shop is almost a passive investment, now they've freed up some time, right? Now they actually have some opportunities to do other things. Because let's say that you wanted to start using your money to make more money, right? Because everyone has heard the old adage, it takes money to make money. Well, really, it takes one of two things to make money. If you want to make money, you can either use time or you can use money, right? Hey, if you have no money, you can make money by just using your time, going out, pulling weeds out of your neighbor's yard, right? It's just right. your hands, but you can make money doing it. Can you do that on a massive scale? No, right? There's no way to leverage your own time. We're all born with the same 24 hours in a day. However, if you can then shift it where, hey, I'm leveraging money to make money, that's a pretty wonderful thing. Most investments are a combination of two, right? A auto repair shop, you need time and money to a certain degree. Now, a savings account, you don't need any time, right? That is just strictly money. But we have two vastly different returns on investment there. 
the usual track that most of my clients go is they want to, obviously, they want to be saving money, right? They want to be investing in a passive aspect, whether that is a brokerage account, money market account, but your returns are never going to be massively that high. And generally, that's looking at a savings venture, right? You're not expected to kind of pull any sort of cash flow out of that. So it's not really going to supplement what you have coming in from a repair shop. That's where most people are looking for generally real estate investing. Because the biggest thing for real estate investing is obviously the underlying asset itself is making money, but it's also giving you monthly cash flow. And a lot of people listening to this right now are already doing that themselves because they own the shop that your garage rents from. And you might not even think about this, but you're paying yourself more rent than what your mortgage payment is. And so you already have a passive investment. Now, most people don't look at that as an investment because they look at that rental real estate in the shop is all one, but you actually have two completely separate things, right? Before you own that real estate, someone else was making that investment off of you. Now, you know that you want to stay in this shop and you also want to invest your money. So for a lot of people, the first place that they look, if they're looking to get into real estate investing, is their own shop. I now can buy this building. I go from $6,000 a month in rent to $4,000 a month in my mortgage payment. Now, I can still pay that $6,000, but now that $2,000 is going into my pocket. There is the of real estate investing. Right. And especially if you're doing something where it's owner occupied, you control your own destiny. As long as you do well, not only is your shop do well, so is your real estate. And also this has given me cash flow, right? It's not going to be anywhere as high of cash flow as what you're getting out of shop. It's not realistic to expect that, but 10% cash on cash return for commercial is very, very common. Also, how many shop owners do you know that they end up retiring from their shop? And their big kind of payday is not their shop. It's the actual real estate that their shop has because back in 1973, when they bought this in San Francisco, no one wanted to go into that neighborhood. <laughs> right. You know, now unfortunately, it's never going to be a shop going forward. They're going to bulldoze that and they're going to build condos. But not only do we make cash flow, not only do we give kind of job security to make sure we can operate in this location going forward, we on the back end also have, you know, an appreciation of the underlying real estate value, which really turns a short-term cash flow pull, you know, the liquidity, and then also hopefully a big payday at the end. AutoLeap is a cloud-based all-in-one auto repair software that helps to keep complete track of your business from scheduling appointments to managing technicians to generating invoices. Supercharge your growth with AutoLeap. Customers that fully adopt AutoLeap see the following benefits in their first year. 30% revenue growth with top customers seeing over 100% growth. 75% decrease in no-shows, allowing you to service more customers, three times increase in positive Google reviews, leading to stronger online presence, 50% time saved on administrative tasks, driving increase in operational efficiency. Do it all with AutoLeap. Key features and functions include estimates, invoices, scheduling, Google reviews, inspections, communication, QuickBooks, reporting. Get in touch with AutoLeap to see how you can transform your auto repair shop. For a limited time, if you schedule a demo, sign up with AutoLeap and they will waive the $250 implementation fee. So when I go around the country and do my peer group meetings, a lot of them report their rent and a lot of them are paying that rent to themselves, but they haven't done an inflation adjustment in like 15 years. So like their their rent's like $3,000, 
But if they appraise a property and did it properly, they should probably be paying themselves twelve or fifteen thousand dollars a month. From your standpoint on that, because usually when I quiz them about that, they're like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. It's it's all the same money. It's just either here or there." Is there a right or wrong answer to that, or or what would you advise? Yeah, so it's a tricky one because on the surface they're right. In aspect of kind of some weird kind of rules or any sort of adjustments on it, whether you show profit on the shop, you show profit on the real estate, it's all flowing through to you personally. Now, biggest thing that you need to avoid is you can't have the real estate entity showing a loss. That is the biggest thing that we never want to see because let's say that you make altogether $200,000, right? Shop is showing a $50,000 profit, real estate showing a $50,000 loss. In our heads, we're thinking those are going to wipe each other out. There's limitations to real estate losses, though. So there could be a situation where you're actually paying on that $50,000 profit for the shop, and you cannot deduct that $50,000 loss from the real estate. So rule number one for self-rentals is the real estate cannot be a loss. As long as the real estate is not a loss, there's really not any sort of tax benefits by shifting it to one to the other for most people. But there's one other big thing on there that I always, always have people keep in mind. At some point, you want to sell this shop, right? Built to sell, you know, is a very, very good idea to make sure that you have the foundational ideas kind of down. Now, the idea here is you're building this business to cover the expenses that it has. And it's very funny how stuff works out. But if you need to pay $6,000 a month, you're going to build a business that can afford $6,000 a month in rent. If you need to pay yourself 12000 again, you're building it. The worst case scenario is, let's say, Chris, that you have a shop. It's making about $100,000 of profit. Pay yourself $100,000 of rent. So here you are. You call me up and say, Hunt, think about buying, selling my shop. I want you to do a valuation for it. First thing I always ask is, well, Chris, you own a real estate, right? What is fair market value rent? Let's just pretend like you actually knew what that was, right? You were able to go and do a sanity check. You hired a real estate agent and you come back and you say, well, hunt, great news. I'm going to be able to get $200,000 a year out of this new tenant. I've been paying myself way too low. So this new person is actually going to pay me 200000 and they're going to have no problem with that because that's fair market value. Now, what we have to do is we have to go back and look at your financials. Remember, we've been showing $100,000 profit but we've only been paying ourselves $100,000 a year in rent. Right. So if we recast this for what a future owner is going to have, that business is no longer profitable, right? You're going to be able to make the money on the real estate side, but that shop probably just lost most all of the value that it has because that shop no longer makes a profit. It essentially just breaks even. If we go back to return on investment, what am, whatever I invest in there, Chris, if I give you $400,000 from my shop, Unless I make changes that will make me more money, if I run it the way that you've been running it, I'm never going to make back my money because this is just going to be a break even. And that I think is, I don't see many that truly have a loss. And if they do have losses, there's ways at the end of the year you can reclassify draws and stuff like that. The second aspect, making sure that that is as close to fair market value as you can. And if anything, a little bit on the higher side is not a big deal. A little bit on the low side is fine because we don't have a whole lot of changes. But yeah, the guys that have been doing that for 15 years, you know, that's probably not even close to what fair market value is. And, you know, even if your business does have the profit to support it, what's going to look better for a prospective person buying your shop? 
to be able to say, well, theoretically, Chris, if you do this, my shop could have paid that rent. It just didn't. Or, hey, the rent I'm going to charge you, not only have I been paying this for the last five years, I've actually been paying $1,000 a month higher than that. Like, there is a track record that this business can afford this cash flow. Well, it's like a, establishing a, pro, a profit record for your business, right? Instead of everybody, instead of everybody showing a loss forever. And then they're like, Hey, I want to, I want to sell this business. And then the thing's always been wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I've taken a lot of more cash out of here than, than what I show. And then you're like, but you can't prove it. Right. So yeah, you have to have to start planning in the beginning. Okay. So I kind of sidetracked you there. So. Sorry. No. So the big idea here that I have a lot of clients and right, and I do a lot of this stuff myself, which is why I'm like, all right, I'm going to give advice and it's not, this is what you do. If I was in your shoes or this is what Hunt already does. And so it's really shifting your mindset on what your business is made to do, right? Like I said, early stage of the business, this business is supposed to generate cash for me to take personally for you to use my lifestyle. At some point, you get to a thing where it's generating more cash than you need to spend or you want to spend or are spending. Now we have an excess. And really what you're doing now is you're shifting your mindset of your business to say, hey, this shop is not generating money for me to live. This is now generating me cash to invest. You have your day-to-day money that is spending, that you're getting money every single month, week, whatever it is. Now, instead of just having that money sit somewhere like a bank account, you know, a money market account, you're turning around and then using that money again. So we're already getting return on investment in the shop. Now we're having another level to this. Hey, you know what? I want to get into real estate investing. I want to buy this building that's down the street on me. It's $500,000. That means I need to generate $100,000 or take $100,000 out to put the money down. Hey, you know what? My business is super profitable on it. Maybe I already have that money sitting in my business checking account. That business checking account is getting me 0% ROI. However, if I take a hundred grand out of there and I buy this piece of commercial property, now it's giving me 10% cash on cash return on investment in a monthly cash flow. Wait, now I have another income generating stream, right? All right. That's already paying for itself and making a little bit of profit. And these are all going back into a pool, right? And so what you're doing is you're using the business to generate cash for you to invest. And that's really where this all shifts, right? You cannot do this if you're making $40,000 a year as in profit because you still want your lifestyle to, you know, maybe have personal debt or maybe you're still living, you know, not the lifestyle that you want. But at some point, you need to make that kind of mental determination of, hey, you know what? I don't need any more money, right? I don't need any more things. I want to now invest this money and make it elsewhere. Now, the thing about it is, If you do this correctly, you can actually use the business to generate enough cash to shift your income stream from a truly investment of a shop to something that is almost completely passive as in real estate or whatever you want to do. Now, you could do that with just a money market account, right? Hey, if I need to make whatever and money market is going to pay me 4%, if you have enough money in a money market, it can give you just as much as a shop but you're going to need 10 times as much money tied up in there because the return on investment is much lower. And so kind of matching up your return on investment with what you're trying to do here while also being aware of the risks. Because the thing about it is, if you see something like a shop that has a 33% return on investment, that's on a good day. I've seen negative 33%. I've seen negative 100%. I've seen positive 40%. 
right? Your results may vary. So generally, the higher the rate of return, the lower the downside is too, right? Hey, there is nothing out there that is going to give you 20% guaranteed rate of return. It's just not possible. But is there going to be something that's going to give you 20% rate of return 80% of the time? Yeah. But that 20% of the time could be a negative 100% loss. So you got to be really careful with what you're investing. Also, be mindful of what kind of reserves you have. So first and foremost, you always have to make sure that you have most of your investments in something that you can, that you know you're not going to lose, right? Your portfolio shouldn't be 100% speculative, right? We're not looking to hit a home run here unless that's where you are in your life, right? You know, I'm 34 years old. So my kind of investment strategy is going to be a lot different than someone that's 64 because I can absorb a couple of years of a 20% correction because I'm not planning on using this anytime I'm building at something for the future. However, if you're 64 years old, you don't have enough years to make back a 20% loss, a 30% loss. Right. You know, you're another five years just to make that back. So making sure that your kind of investment strategies and risks match up to where your timeline is and how much you need to use this money is going to be a very important thing. The most common thing that I see with shops, like I said, first and foremost is buying a commercial real estate that you're already occupying, but real estate's the most common one, right? Multifamily rentals, if you want to go into the residential side of it, is going to be good. Again, risk versus reward. You don't have tenants in there. If you buy a piece of crap property on that, oh, and this is something that either you're going to be doing it. Again, there's a prime example. How much is your time worth? Yeah, management company will take 10% off the top, but now you have a passive investment. If the cash flow works to do it one of the other ways, it's all on how much time you want to have to spend doing that. Storage units, right? Another one where you're buying commercial real estate on it that hopefully is appreciating as well, but it's also giving you monthly cash flow. And more or less, that can be passive investments. Most people at the stage that your you know, client is talking about are not looking for another job, Right. Because right. if you're looking for something to has that you want to invest in and have active involvement, buy another shop. You know how to run a shop. You know the ins and outs of it. Why would you go and reinvent the wheel and try to go to a completely different industry that you still have to have active involvement about that you don't have kind of the foundational knowledge on? Right. And that's why when I see shops that have kind of transferred from a shop owner to almost an investor in a shop, that they're just looking at that as part of their investment portfolio, right? And they're just looking to portfolio to ultimately come up with a big enough investment portfolio that now that money is working for me, right? Instead of my time, now I've been able to use my time to generate cash from my shop. And now I'm using that cash to just generate me cash, right? And that's really where you can flip it over. If you can have enough in investments, you've got your cash working for you, which means it doesn't need any of your time which is what everyone is usually looking for. Some people like to work. One of the things that I want to make sure that I I say, and then I want to know what your thoughts are on this. If a shop owner came to me and said this, like one of my clients, first thing I would say is, say your fixed costs for every week are $10,000, then you need $40,000 times four to six months sitting in the bank liquid just in case something happens. And then we can start thinking about this other stuff. Is that kind of right in line with you or what would you say? It really depends on what your risk tolerance is, right? 
You know, if there's anyone that already does real estate investing that's listening to this, those guys are generally not liquid whatsoever, right? They are so leveraged with debt on it, but that doesn't actually cost them any money, right? You're leveraging debt to make money. Yeah, I have $12 million worth of debt, but the debt service on that is 300 grand a year and the rent comes in at 350,000, right? So he has a ton of debt, but the investments are paying for themselves. And their mindset is, well, yeah, I can have that $100,000 in a money market account that's liquid, but I would rather use that 100 to go buy a half a million dollar piece of property. And so they're using all of their cash and getting it tied up. As long as these things are rented, as long as the property values keep on going up, then it doesn't matter, right? Because there's never kind of that margin call type moment of, hey, I'm short on cash. But the thing about it is if a unexpected expense comes up, if there is a downturn, if you have a vacancy on here and you don't have those reserves, if that cash flow goes negative on it, you're in a real tough spot. Because the thing about real estate is it's not liquid, right? Hey, you want to pull cash out of that, yeah, you can go refinance, assuming that the equity is there, assuming that the rates are pretty good. And now is a prime example of this, right? We were just talking before we went live here. There's 8 million commercial loans coming up for renewal this year on it. Those were done five years ago at probably mid 4%. And there's yeah. probably going to come in around 9%. So let's say that I had a building that's worth a million bucks. I only owe 500000 on it. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Cash is tight. I'm going to pull two fifty out of that. My monthly payment might triple now. Right. I might no longer cash flow on this thing. So risk versus reward. Again, if you have a steady income stream coming in from the shop and you think that that's going to be fairly consistent, you can kind of, you know, leverage the rest of your money knowing that you still have the shop to fall back on, pay your month to month expenses. Personally, for me, I want to make sure that I have a pretty healthy reserves in either cash or marketable securities that are pretty liquid so that I have a good nest egg of, hey, I don't have, you know, a hundred grand that might city be sitting there in a checking account per se, but between investments, brokerage accounts, and other kind of more liquid investments, yeah, if I need to come up with a couple hundred thousand in pretty quick succession, I could. Same thing with a shop, right? I tell guys all the time, yeah, you can have six months of operating expenses saved up in your bank account, and I could guarantee you that you're never going to run out of money. I'll right. make you shut down your business before you ever actually run out of money. But can it be done with one month of operating expenses? Yeah, but it's going to be pretty darn close. Same exact side on investing. How much do you not want to have to think about? If we're talking about the average person that, you know, has been doing this for a while and kind of in the later stage of their life, I would say that they would actually value a lot more of that peace of mind. Of, I'm fine, right? I don't need to kind of, you know, scramble to get money. I have good reserves. I'm looking to have this work a little bit more. I think that's amazing. And I think it's, you know, I've been in the industry for over 30 years and I remember what it was like in 2008 through 2012 or 13. I think it's great that shop owners have options now and that I'm just amazed that there are shop owners out there that can, that have this quote unquote problem, right? Like, oh, this is a problem to have. I think it's great. And it's, it's a testament to the, to the industry, right? In, in having a great business or running a great business. Well, yeah. And it all goes back to what you need out of it, right? Like, you know, I got, People that have been running their shop for, you know, 40 years and have million dollars in a checking account, right? Just sitting there, right? In their right. situation, they're like, I don't necessarily need any month to month cash on this. I don't want to make my life any more stressful. Perfect. You know, go hire a financial advisor and just put that into the market. 
other than we'll ignore 2022, stock market <laughs> returns about on average about 10% a year. Right. Do absolutely nothing. That's what a financial advisor is right. for. And so if you're in a position where you're like, hey, I have this money, I don't really need it right now. And I don't really, I'm not looking to blow this out of the water or build some sort of massive empire. Then right, get it into the market, get it making some sort of decent investment. A lot of people say like, oh, why do I care about that? You know, it's six, 7%. Compound interest is a magical thing. If you're getting 7% return on your investment, that doubles your money in seven years. Right. Doesn't seem like that math should work, but I might butcher that a little bit, but I think it's actually pretty darn close. It is pretty close. Unless, and then of course you go back to the savings. Of course, we talked to it, talked about it a little bit before until, until your bank folds, right? And then you're like, oh my gosh, where did all my money go? And then everybody's freaking out. So any final thoughts or anything else you wanted to bring up before we get out of here? The biggest thing on it is, you know, figuring out what exactly you want your life to look like. Right. Is exactly what do you want? And, you know, this goes back to the same conversation about going multi-location of doing whatever you want, right? Because that's the same idea for going multi-location, buying an apartment complex, buying storage units. Do you want more time or do you want more money? And that's the first thing that you need to figure out before you kind of talk about investing. Like I have a lot of guys that are like, hon, I don't need any more money. I need more time. Right. right. Well, then why the heck are you going out and buying another partially active business? Right. Set this money aside and let it grow for you. And then also, how much money do you want? What is that magic number that you want? A lot of times you're also you should be thinking ahead on this. You're doing this when you're 55 years old because you know at 65 you're not going to be in this shop anymore. How much money do you want to be able to, you know, draw out of your investments in 10 years? Well, hey, I want to pull be able to pull out $100,000 a year from my investments. All right, if you're doing a 10%, you know, cash on cash cap rate, you know, but in the next 10 years, you have to have a million dollars tied up in real estate. If you have a million dollars tied up in real estate, that means that you probably have properties worth about $5 million. That should sh- throw you off about $100,000 a year in cash flow, right? But now you kind of have the numbers to be able to work into what you want. Can you do that with, you know, 300000 Yeah, but you're not going to be able to get a 10%. You need to have something with a higher return on investment or... Again, lower your expectation, lower your cash needs, and kind of make sure that it matches up with your lifestyle and what you want to do. Interesting. I th- I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because you got my brain spinning now. And I'm <laughs> I'm pretty good most of the time, but sometimes I got to go back and listen again. To That's why this is hard on this. It's like, man, if I have a whiteboard, I could show you on how this stuff works on it. But yeah, yeah I mean, all of this stuff, when you look at it, really just breaks down to ROI, right? And right. it kind of yep. makes it a little bit simpler to look at that aspect. But if you ignore the time aspect, if you ignore the tax benefit of it, that's where it starts to get a little bit trickier. If there are some of you out there that haven't listened to Hunt's Business by the Numbers podcast, he did one on what's your time worth that I love. I was driving in the car and was mad because I couldn't pull over and like start doing the math. And then once I got home, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is this is what my time's worth and this is what I want it to be. And now I just have to figure out how to make up the difference. So and shifting um, that mindset, right? Of right. anyone out there that, you know, has a race car like I do. It's like, all right, how much money is in that? It's like an eye-watering amount. And that's with my time being worth nothing, right? right? There's a prime example of, well, if I factor in even a pretty measly hourly rate on it, then yeah, this thing is probably you know, worth more than most Lamborghinis. But it's all about mindset and then how you think of your own time and, and what your goals are too. And what you want to do with it. Yeah. So Again, so Hunt's podcast is Business by the Numbers on the Aftermarket Radio Network. 
Thanks so much, Hunt, for taking time. I know this was short. We didn't do a lot of bullets, not much pre-planning. There was a lot of stuff in there. And I think it's going to be great for me because I think people are going to go back and listen to it like three, four, five times. So that'll boost my number. So I really appreciate it. There you go. More <laughs> questions than answers, right? Right. right. There we go. You have to stay tuned, right? Stay <laughs> for next week. So, all right. Any Anything else, Hunt, you want to say before we go? Before we... No, I think the biggest thing on this is like you should come out of this with more questions and answers because what makes sense for one person listening doesn't make sense to someone else. And right, so many times when I have clients that come and ask me the same thing, a lot of times they leave that call with homework. Okay, yeah, there's tons of different options out there and I can't even pick which one makes sense for you because I don't know what you want. You got to figure out what the money side looks like, what the time side looks like, what the risk side looks like. And you've got to come up with a plan that's going to work for you in all of those aspects. And that's what I said, just careful, right? Don't compare your investing strategy to someone else because you probably have a lot different goals and a lot different kind of, you know, objectives here. Again, thank you so much, Hunt. This has been Coach Chris Cotton from Autofix Auto Shop Coaching, reminding you it never always gets worse, but sometimes it has to get worse to get better. Remember, don't stop working today because tomorrow needs you. Please feel free to reach out to me, Chris at autofixsos.com or give me a call at 940-400-1008. Have a great day, everybody, and remember to rise and grind. You've been listening to The Weekly Blitz with Coach Chris Cotton on the aftermarketradionetwork.com. Follow Chris on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Chris is all for advancing the aftermarkets.